So this is part two to our Spike Lee conversation. It picks up right where conversation one left off. If you haven't heard the first part of the Spike Lee conversation, you can go back and check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and our Google Play. But this is part two, and there's going to be a part three after this one. So without further ado, here's part two. Thanks for listening. Please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. I have a lot to say about Do the Right Thing. Okay. Well, let's so get let's it. Get, let's I, get it. I really like Do the Right Thing. Okay. Talk, and talk about it. The reason why is I think when it comes to the Spike Lee film, Spike Lee joint, that film to me is the best example for me personally of Spike Lee being at his best because he does everything he does in all of, a lot of times in his films, but he does it in, in a very balanced way that makes sense. That's where I don't like a lot of other Spike Lee films is that because the things he does peak in balance. You know what I mean? Do you feel like he like overstylizes? Like he has his kind of like his gimmicks or his uh that's where traits and he just... I I do. Mm-hmm. But what happens is in do the right thing, it all made sense. Well, mm-hmm. keep in mind too that's that's relatively early in his career, so yeah. you mm-hmm. weren't sick of it at that point either. No, I I've True. seen the film. I've seen the film in in the last two years, and I said this is a film that you did everything you do, and you did it at the right time, at the right moment, and it all made sense for the film. And that goes to his style, the way he shoots, the way he does things, the the monologues, like everything made sense where it was, when it was, and its relationship to the movie as a whole. And that's where I think his other movies fail, is because you've got a Malcolm X, which is a great story, and you got this one over-the-top scene with the zoot suits. I wasn't you know mad I mean? at that scene. Yeah, you keep going back to the I go to that, but then I go to other films, I go to other films where he does something else. Where it's just so give us over another the top. example because I'm not mad at the zoot suits. If you've seen like pictures it. of Malcolm X, that's what he looked like. I know. What I didn't <laughs> like about it was that they were the only two in the scene, and it well, it was never dressed like that. It was because they were supposed to be country. That's why it made sense. I, I, it, it it was so random to me, and it was so out of place. And that's how I felt about a lot of the things he does. He brings to the front things that are out of place. They were meant to look out of place, though. I got it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm confused by this. I, I need another example because I feel like that's not a good one. It goes one. back to some of his other films. Like, it, it's, it, you know, the one thing I don't like, the dolly shot. I, I've i never liked the dolly shot because he just throws it randomly in films. I don't think it's random. I've, I, I, like, give me one where you feel like it's random. I felt like an inside man. It was kind of it random. It wasn't. It was no. like it was meant to like convey a sense of urgency, yeah. and it was and it was one of those things because it was like wait for it, wait random. for it. There it is. It, but to me, it's random because the rest of the film has nothing that's that abstract in its production value. So here's the thing: like he so, he Spike likes his Easter eggs, and mm-hmm. Inside Man is full of Easter eggs. I don't talk about that when we talk about mm-hmm. about um, Inside Man. But like Spike did the thing that he does well in that movie too. You yeah. just don't see it Very as much. Well. But I. I like the, the the dolly shot worked in Inside Man. I hate Man. the dolly shot. Yeah. I, I think it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of films because the movie isn't abstract. Inside Man to me isn't as abstract. And then you throw this one abstract scene in a movie that's not abstract. And that to me is like, what the hell? Like, I don't where? think that that's the only abstract scene though. I think that, mm-hmm. that in a lot of the interview, well, I don't want to talk about it right now because <laughs> we're going to talk about it later. But yeah, but I mean, it, it's an up and down thing. Mm-hmm. Some things, it's 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 a little bit more forward than it is. And 
that's why I going back to why I like do the right thing because mm-hmm. it was it had a level of abstract that you were you were cool with and it it, it went well with the film as a whole and that's where I'm, I I like the film because it it just did everything that he does and it did it in a balanced way and in an appropriate way I feel like he takes things and just throws it randomly in his films and it doesn't work for me but I love Do the Right Thing because one of the emotional things is, you know, he plays with different angles, how you should feel about different situations. We've touched on that in previous movies about how one person feels one way, another person feels another way, a culture feels this. Because personally in the movie, I felt like nobody did the right thing. You do? So, yeah. I feel like everybody's angry. Everybody's upset. And I don't feel anybody really did the right thing. So... The only person in that movie who I walked away like actually mad at was Giancarlo Esposito's character bugging out. Mm-hmm. He he made a valid point. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. It's interesting to me, right? Because people talk about safe spaces and special snowflakes, right? Mm-hmm. You have an Italian American guy who, you know, Danny Aiello's character Sal, who has a business that he's built from the ground up mm-hmm. and that he's wanting to, um, you know, leave a legacy to his kids, and he's a very proud Italian American New Yorker. And he's wanting to celebrate Italian-Americans in his business, right? Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having pride in people and of your mm-hmm. culture and wanting to display that in your business. Right. Yeah. As a black person, I would want to smack the shit out of him coming into my place That's to say... Yeah, it's a Mau Mau. So um, we're not going to disparage Mau Mau's because we know the history of what a Mau Mau actually is, but we're going to build later my brother. So, <laughs> So, um, but anyway, like there, th- that was his safe space to have pride in his culture, not his whiteness, mm-hmm. his Italianness, and actually, you know, a culture, not a thing that's like pervasive in an oppressive way over that particular um, current society. Right. He was, you know, in that neighborhood making money selling Italian food to black people, right? Mm-hmm. And Bugging Out made a good point. He was like, "You're not celebrating us, but we're the ones in here spending our money." Well, that's cool. But you're coming to an establishment owned by an Italian person and you're not under any delusions about that. So like he that I really did not like that character. Um, Did I think that he made a valid point? Yes. But I think that that was inappropriate. Like Mm -hmm. he didn't need to tell him how to value his own culture and him feeling like that kind of, you know, was the inciting incident for what occurred later on in the movie. So I get what you're saying. There's no good guys in that one. But at the same time, everybody has an opinion of what the right thing is. And that's what I think the beauty in that film is, is that there's everybody has an opinion. You, me, the three characters, everybody has a thing that they think is the right thing to do. And it's up for you to interpret. And then he goes back to the Martin Luther and the Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's just a film that crafts a theme and two different and multiple viewpoints in just a really a good way. Mm. Like it, it's a it's one of the best ways to be to have a film that's the most Spike Lee-iest to me. Spike Lee-iest. Right. Like Lee-iest. Like it it's got it's got some abstract qualities, it's got some good storytelling, it's got some thought-provokingness. It's got a lot and it also allows you the viewer to come up with your own interpretation. Who there were people in that movie definitely doing the wrong fucking thing. There were. Though. I there think were. I definitely think that um what what was the man's name? ML? 
the guy that was sitting outside, I don't know his name. It's an older gentleman, but it was, um, Robin Harris and I, why do I not know names today? I'm good at knowing names, but anyway, the um, three guys that were sitting out, right, um, about. sitting out talking and he was so upset at the Korean store owner for coming into, mm-hmm. um, the neighborhood and opening a store. But then he's like, leave Sal alone. And I'm like, what, what the hell? <laughs> like, but it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about too. Like this biasness of culture. You know, and, and that, that just throws in more more fuel to the fire of just like how good that film is to me. Mm-hmm. Is that it touches on these biasness, the you know, the fact that you're 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 being hypocritical mm-hmm. at, at at one point. And but it addresses it in so different way, in, in many, many different ways. I mean, I also think um what was the brothers, the old the John Turturro's character, like he was a dick muncher, like I really mm-hmm. didn't like him. Well, the character, I love John Turturro. Right. I didn't like the character. The character was like typical, like, we depend on these black people for our livelihood, but mm-hmm. I'm going to look down on you the entire time. That, that, I experienced that in my own life, not from Italian Americans, but I have experienced that. So it's, it's, it's interesting and those are very real people, but like, he wasn't a good guy. It's one of the few, in my opinion, Spike Lee films that has a, I feel you can look at that film very objectively. I personally feel you can look at that film and go, okay, here's a slice of this, here's a slice of that, here's a slice of this, and you and you 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 see the 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 mechanics of what's going on. Right. I and think that's a you thing, your, though. And you're allowed to have your own opinion about it. I think it. that's a you thing, though. I, I, mean, I'm, I think I'm that's Corey being that. woke. I'm not gonna. I think that's Corey being woke mm-hmm. outside of having lived experiences as a person of color. I think mm-hmm. you're able to look at the movie objectively. Maybe. I think that that's difficult for other people though, because I don't think you identify with the racist cops, and I don't think you identify with the Italians in the movie, or no. necessarily anyone in particular's mm-hmm. experience. So you are looking at it objectively, but I think a lot mm-hmm. of other people struggle with that. Not gonna. I can see a that. case for both. I mean, I think it works. I think. I feel like it works because it's a, it's a nice petri dish, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of geography. Um, you know, these are things that happen. This is this is potentially the culture of what can happen in a two block radius. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we don't have to look outside of that to understand what's what's actually happening. So I I I, I probably I feel like that's probably why it's a little bit more of an effective message mm-hmm. is because we're we're not having to reach outside of these square blocks this neighborhood mm-hmm. yeah. to understand this story you know there's there's a piece of this in every neighborhood or not every neighborhood in america but in a lot of you know where there's a culturally diverse um you know intersection there we deal with and you know you could potentially deal with this issue and i and i feel like it's just very grounded in that in that respect where it's just it's just a cultural it's just a cultural observation within a neighborhood you know and it's you just don't have to look outside of that so it just keeps the message grounded um in my opinion you know what i'm saying it's just relationships it's relationships um i think that to your point though they were all in the same place but still judging each other yeah very much well because because that's what's going to happen i mean you know there's you know, history always has a context, you know, in, in, in a message like this, especially when you're talking about race relations. Um, but, you know, it's what happens it, what happens in a small proximity when race does become an issue. Um, who sides with who? I mean, we're all a community, but whose side are we really on, you know, when the revolution comes? You know what I'm saying? Um, so, so that's why it probably works, to, you know, to your point there, Corey. Um, we spent a lot of time on Do the Right Thing, though. Um, in this, in the black experience, we also have school days, Malcolm X, um, 
Crooklyn, Get on the Bus, and Miracle at Santa at St. Anna. Um, so the school, school days. days. Yeah. I like school days. You like it? Did, I did it make uh, you want to go to HBCU? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my personal background, all, a lot of my friends are black or not white. So I've, during my college years, I hung out at HBCUs and mm-hmm. I'm, no, I'm just curious, like yeah. how, at what point in your life did you watch that movie though? I watched it when I mentioned that when I was in college. Oh, when you were actually in, well, then yeah, it would have been too late for you to make that kind of decision. Yeah, yeah, I was already, I did get accepted to Hampton actually. He should have chosen better. It was expensive. <laughs> that whole uh, you get a scholarship because you're white. Not true. Doesn't well. Oh, you, not true. No, 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 no. It is not true, it is not true with Hampton. It, yeah, it yeah. does oh, happen, yeah, not but that's not. Yeah, I I had a convert. Thank you because yeah. I'm going to make one of my friends who tried to tell me she could get a scholarship for being white to Hampton listen mm-hmm. to you. Tell it, say that's not a real thing. Yeah, but um, I mean, honestly, if I had gone to Hampton, I wouldn't be probably sitting here right now. So. Why do you think that? Um, You feel like the network of alumni would have propelled you into greatness? I I mean, I don't know. I just, I know. (laughs) That's what I think would have happened. (laughs) No, I mean, I went to ODU and I got involved in mass communications and a minor in film production. So if Hampton didn't have that, I could have gone down another route. I went to ODU to be an engineer. Yeah, Hampton has the Scripps Howard um, School of Journalism. Yeah. I'm not saying that the outcome could have been the same, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is like I went to ODU to be an engineer and then dropped out of being an engineer. And ah. So that's the path I took. Yeah, so, you, you probably could have still been sitting here. With it, but if no, you maybe, wouldn't maybe because not. you'd be in Hollywood just like being this, you know, amazing woke okay. white man putting black people Lazy. on. Lazy. <laughs> Lazy is, is 9-0 oh tonight with you, Corey. And I, I love it. I love it. We should do this more often. I, that wasn't about you. That's me plugging my school. Yeah, that's her plugging. It's cool. I took I have a lot of friends. I love my Hampton. Back to the film. Um, it, it goes to uh, what I love about Do the Right Thing is that the theme and the abstract and the way the movie was made made sense. And it was well made. It, everything he did had a purpose and a reason for me. And it, it came together in a package that made sense. So, and I, I like the film. I just like the film. Yeah, that's probably the film that I, I've, that's, that I haven't seen in the longest, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, That's I one that I watch every once in a while because yeah. I love my HBCUs. I, I can't <laughs> so. add that much to this conversation, unfortunately. Um, um, there, I'll say this, like... To, to watch them like at the step show and then like watch them showing the process of pledging. And I think that's very interesting. I would love for like a black Greek to be sitting here saying how they felt about watching that and how that influenced their decision to want to, you know what I mean? Pledge right. or whatever. Um, yeah, Cause I still don't understand fraternities, but that's a whole nother sub- topic. Yeah. I'm not, well, I'm in an organization. I'm just not in a Greek organization, but that's a whole nother story too. <laughs> but do they, have, do they have Greek letters? No. Okay. Okay, so <laughs> I just wanted that because you know, are you part of like Claire. skull and bones? Like the way you answered that, <laughs> none of your goddamn yeah, business. Oh so, <laughs> people who know me know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, too bad for you. Okay. So, um, anyway, I think it's very interesting from that perspective. But even though that movie was made when it was, it was not super. The experience they were having was not super dissimilar from what I experienced being in college. 20 years later right um you still have your groups of people that are depicted there um and it it, it just it just was kind of dope you have your, your black revolutionary still and 
still trying to figure it out and not always getting it right. You have your townies, you know, um, as portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson in the movie and saying like, you're not better than me because you're educated. And I think that that was meant to be like a message. It's very interesting because you think like Lawrence Fishburne's character, Dap in the movie is, is thinking like he's doing this revelationary work to save black people. And then he encounters working class black people in the town where the school is. And they're like, fuck you. Right, <laughs> so yeah. like, like, you That's, ain't shit because you got a degree. Like, Yeah, again, not a monolith. You're not really my, you're not my fucking savior. Like, you know right. what I mean? That kind of thing. I really enjoy like them being at the football game playing neck. That mm. is quintessential mm. HBCU thing right. you're going to fucking see at right. a black ass football game. That's for sure. So like, I don't know. I just, that's one of those things that like makes me appreciate and I think that's a side of black culture that's not highlighted enough. Um, BET has a show out right now called The Quad. And I learned last night that President Harvey of Hampton University is not a fan. And he wrote BET of Nasty Graham about it. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, after that, we got a different world. And it, it opened up this world of like giving a voice to that part of our culture that's been missing. And then, you know, we have The Quad now. I haven't watched it based on what President Harvey's saying, if the things he's saying are true, like, I don't disagree with him. But Oh, I'd be interested in hearing that, but that's for another conversation. Yeah, but, um, I, I and I don't, I'm, I'm very curious about how HBCUs received school days when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't experience, and maybe it's just me at Hampton, was I didn't experience the, the light skin, dark skin, good and bad hair thing. Mm. That really wasn't a thing that I experienced. Maybe it was a thing at the school... I'd, I'd love to hear about everyone else's experiences if they want to share them. But that I don't remember a whole lot of. But it, I, I'd say, like, it's very, in, from, like, a high level, very, like, accurate portrayal of the tropes that you find on that campus setting. Right. Interesting. Did it make you interested in black colleges at all, watching that movie? Or is that See, not your I, takeaway from it? Well, I, I think I was, it wasn't really my takeaway from it. I was too young to really place myself in that. I think I was just really too young to to completely get it. What was like? I'm I'm just I'm even to this day I'm just still confused about fraternities. Like I don't you you understand what I'm saying? Like well, like, I think I think it's like finding your place in that in that ecosystem, right? And that's a real thing at black colleges. Like everything is a process, and everybody has an identity, and everybody wants to be a part of something. Right. Um, and also the message about them, you know, Dap's character wanting to push the university to to divest from South Africa because of apartheid and them saying like, you exist as an institution for the betterment of black people. You're not here for any other reason. And at the same time, you are funded by people who are harming black Black people. people. So um, there's a lot of messages there. And I think that's another time that Spike got it right and he didn't beat us over the head with it. Right, right. That's that's, honestly, that's one of those ones I really want to go back to. And and I really should have for this conversation went back to that because I, I do feel like that's probably a lot of gems that I missed because I was, I watched it too young. You know, and, and never went back. I mean, a lot of his movies I watched too young, but I eventually went back to them. And School Days just wasn't one of them, unfortunately. You know, it just it never dawned on me, too, to be honest. Um, well, I wish we could have a deeper conversation because I'm very passionate about HBCUs, if anyone hasn't noticed. Right. But We've noticed. <laughs> you should have went to my school. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's I one of my favorites. Died. Why? I would have had too much fun. <laughs> I would have had way too much fun. You're H-U. probably right. Yeah. HU has a reputation for. For the women, for sure. 
That's yes. pretty much all I know about HU. Bad, bad Jones everywhere. <laughs> you know. It's not a lie. Well, it wasn't when I went to school there, right. but. Um. So Malcolm X is next on the list for the Black Experience. Jesse, have you seen Malcolm X? I've seen Malcolm oh, X. Oh shit! <laughs> Step up to the plate, young Hesse. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, Malcolm X actually is uh, one of the films that I really enjoyed the cinematography uh, yes. for. Um. Just. The look, I feel like that's when I would say like Spike Lee kind of mastered his look and feel of a film. And um, just again, just one of the things I really appreciate about Spike is his ability to just take the history and be able to kind of do something, you know, fresh and funky with it and that put his, um, you know, his own flavor on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much enjoyed that film and... Was that still mm-hmm. Ernest Dickerson? I wonder. Was his DP the still DP? Ernest? Yeah, mm-hmm. still Ernest Dickerson. Do the Googles. Yeah, do the Googles. Because I feel like, see, I feel like do the right thing. He mastered the style. Mm-hmm. He mastered the look in 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 that film. I um, concur. Yeah, I feel like that was the Spike Leeiest, yeah. the spikiest of Spike Lee joints. In Malcolm X, though, the dolly shot that you hate, I think I that is dolly. the most perfect execution mm-hmm. of it. Is in Malcolm X. I don't remember the, it. Don't oh, how do you not? Remember I, I'm it. sorry. All right. <laughs> it's the it's in the scene where um, Malcolm is traveling to um, the Audubon Ballroom right before he's executed, right. and they're playing Sam Cook in the background, yeah. and he's making that long walk, yep. and it's it's that's like yep, the perfect execution perfect. of that. All right, I might I might give you that. Yeah, I might give you that. That's almost like a separate topic we should bring up is because I, I feel like he has really good execution of the dolly shot in a few movies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I know. I appreciate it a lot, in Malcolm X, and like when you see it in like the way he used it in Malcolm X, and the way he used it in Inside Man, I feel like it was a lot stronger in Malcolm uh, X. Okay, yeah. yeah, I feel like he like again, kind of in Inside Man, I feel like he kind of threw it in there because like that's my shot. This is the moment where we and can, that's what I don't like. I don't like there. about Spike does that a lot. To it's me. his thing it, though. Yeah, when you watch yeah, a Spike film, it. you know it's gonna be in there. You know you're gonna get a dolly mm-hmm. shot. You know mm-hmm. somebody's gonna say wake up. You know baseball's gonna come up at some fucking point. Mm-hmm. But it just feels so forced, you know, and that's my been my big gripe. You know, Spielberg doesn't has dad issues, you know. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel forced, you know. Like it, it just with Spike, it just feels like he writes the script and then says, "Well, where can I insert wake up?" And it, it, sometimes it feels like he closes his eyes and just points at a page, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and that's where I kind of get on you about your technical and your execution of your film i'm not mad yeah. at the wake up and where it goes in a lot of movies yeah I'm, I'm, actually the place that i'm the most mad at it is in school days yeah. i'm not mad at it and do the right thing it's at the very beginning and that's the day that mookie becomes woke and he doesn't even know it he's yeah. the first person to wake up and i you're bugging yeah i like I'm i like, like the wake up kinda, the wake up's there you're kind of tripping but in, in do the right the, thing wake, like wake up is also like there it. it makes sense and do the right thing wake up is also there before School days, that's the one where people remember seeing it. But mm-hmm. if you watch um, She's Gotta Have It, there's mm-hmm. a point where Jamie is being like intimidated by her lesbian friend and she's like asleep and, and he walks over. He's like, no, wake up. Like, it's there. And if you're looking for it, it's not mm-hmm. always like as overt, but I look for it because I know it's going to happen. Well, I haven't seen that. So, I mean, you know. I'm not mad at where it isn't Inside Man either. Clive Owen says it. You probably didn't even notice. What? The, oh, the wake up thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yep. Um, well, where are you at with Malcolm X, Lizzie? In my opinion, as far as 
things that he has actually written, Malcolm X is his best work. Mm. Um, I think in terms of execution, Inside Man is his best film. But I think Malcolm mm. X is the best thing that he has written. Um, so I know a lot about Malcolm X. Um, I mean, I'm not Sister Soldier every day, but we, we started this woke journey. I probably read the autobiography when I was 11. And that's a lot of it is highly fictionalized from Alex Haley. And then Spike built on it to tell a story. So a lot of what you see in the movie didn't actually happen. Um, however, I feel like he did a great job of showing him as this one person and how he arrived there and what his background was. And making you just fall in love with him so that you're very affected by what he had to add to the world. Right. Um, and I think he did a very good job of showing like the different stages of his life as Malcolm became more and more aware of what his actual reality was mm-hmm. and what his what his purpose was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes maybe four times in the film. Right. Um, it's just amazing. Like I, I, I don't, I don't have words. <laughs> I, I think it's the best biopic that we, I, we, we have to be perfectly honest. Best port, like uh, you of know, a historic biopic, black figure, of a historical black figure. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like we've sure. gotten a Martin movie that lives up to our Malcolm movie. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. 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 Don't get me started on and, that. And we've had like but, Jeffrey Wright did an amazing Martin, but I don't think that we've gotten Denzel's Malcolm out of a Martin movie. Right. Yeah, so that's where I stand with it. I think it's, I, I do feel like it is, um, I, I do feel like it's, it's. if it's not his best film, it's definitely runner-up for his best film, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I just love the way, I, you know, even outside of production, just, the, you know, the way he raised funds for it, um, you know, the people that contributed to it, like he really built this community, you know, like he really rallied for for this story, you know, and built this community around it to get that money up for it. And I, and, and I, and I just feel like that that's a piece in filmmaking today that doesn't exist. You know, is getting so many, you know, strong black leaders on the same page to contribute to a piece of history. You know, on film. Um, Wait, I thought it was like somebody else's film. And he took over or something like that, right? Why did you think that? From Malcolm X? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was somebody else's film. And then he... Why, no, I, why did you think I, that? I recall that if, that somebody else was like making a Malcolm X director. film and he, was, he jumped in and was like, no, you cannot make... A Malcolm X movie without me and without me or and or a black director. I I can see that happen. Don't quote me. I'm sure someone's gonna look it up on IMDb. No, please do the Googles. I'm not asking you that because I don't believe you. I want to know like where you heard that. I've I've not heard that story before. I want to say was similar to the way he handled the Ali film. You know, he was very vocal about the production of that. That movie sucked. I I never saw it actually, but but I recall. But with Malcolm X, he succeeded in his. You know, he he was like, "No, you're not gonna make this movie. Like, I'm gonna make this movie." Yeah, I'm so glad he did though. I have very what year was that? Was that ninety two? It's like the ninety two, ninety three. I have very vivid memories of going to see that and sitting next to my father, and in the scene where we I was we were talking about the dolly shot and being very moved by Sam Cooke singing at eleven years old and like getting snot all over my father's coat, mm-hmm. knowing that he was going to die, like mm-hmm. and being that connected to this character at eleven years old, like right. that's that's amazing. That's amazing because I don't know that my daughter would feel that way watching that. I think right. my daughter would look at that and be like, "This is real violent," and they're mad. But, <laughs> right. But, right. but you know, like it it moved me, and well, you know, I don't know if my daughter's sister 
a soldier like I was, but <laughs> it moved sure. me in that way when I was that young. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, regardless of whoever story it was, I mean, you know, people like Bill Cosby contributed to the funding. Um, who else? Michael Jordan, I think. Like there were so many, like there were so many, you know, powerful black millionaires that contributed to the funding of this film, you know? And to me, that that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, when, when a film extends past production and starts becoming a piece of American history, you know, just a, like a moment in time where people are, the world is on the same page, you know, in terms of black Americans, we're on the same, coming, coming off like Rodney King and just that whole energy that was happening, um, you know, and then sort of harnessing that energy and turning it into a film um, with purpose. You know, I just felt like the timing was right, the execution was right, and the story around the film in the in the building blocks that contributed to making the film just made it all like this petri dish of like a perfect moment in time. You know, and that's my that's my take on. It. I mean, outside of obviously, you, you know, understanding this man's purpose and and seeing watching a man change over time and over circumstance, you know, watching him mature into somebody who was really a humanitarian at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like that was, that's, that's, you know, that's where he stood, but it just, I can, I understand how like certain people misinterpret him. Um, but it, it just, it just kind of cut through all that red tape and was like, yo, this man was a man that changed his position about things just like you do. You know what I'm saying? And he had to grow and he had to travel and he had to experience in order to, you know, into molecular, you know what? I was about to go into like a whole, and I forgot that you're a writer. But I was about to, I was about to pull that bullshit <laughs> button and like say something like molecular rise or some shit like that. Oh, you said I was like, fucking Lizzie's there. I started. You said molecular. I can you help you find the word. Realm. I'm good at that. But then you said what the word you were gonna say. So it, <laughs> yeah, it's because I had pretty to, like, much make it transparent. Yeah, I did, but um, I would say this. I think that a lo- I think that that movie is widely enjoyed by black people. Mm-hmm. I think that. It was made for us, but I think that we weren't necessarily the ones that needed it. I think like even now, Malcolm's seat in black history and how that relates to um, civil rights and American history overall is extremely one-sided and unfavorable in a way that is really unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Malcolm saying that black people needed to know ourselves for ourselves before we could integrate, you know, into society at large and wanting to be a part of that was not a bad message. Um, Because we're leaning on, for lack of being a better way of putting it, in that time, the people who are oppressing you to tell you who you are. And so I also think like this idea that Martin is better because he preached nonviolence. I don't think there's a damn thing wrong with preaching self-defense. And so that to me is weird too. I, I I don't get this idea that like... I should be able to smack you around and you should just take it. And yeah. Malcolm's like, no, you stand up like a man and you defend yourself. I think that it just, he gets this unfair depiction of being this uber violent, radical person. Right. And I don't think that any of what he said was actually radical. Well, it made all. the most sense in the, the world. Most sense. Well, I'm not, I'm not in like with the whole idea that we had to pick Martin or Malcolm. Like, I don't what? think that we have to pick one, but, yeah, but, but that's kind of how it's portrayed. Right. Are you Martin? Or are you Malcolm? Mm-hmm. You know, I like, I like they were, both on the same message at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to some degree, you know, I mean, you know, 
Malcolm well, I think was the difference more... was that Martin was a pacifist and Malcolm wasn't. But in terms of what they wanted for our people, they were on the same message. Yeah, yeah. I think the end goal was, well, sort of, because Martin, Martin wanted more assimilation into, as opposed to Malcolm was like, no, we, you know, you know, no, you're, you know, not so much assimilation, just respect. Mm-hmm. Just stop fucking with us. Yeah, stop fucking with us. You know what I mean. But they, but for the most part, yeah, they were they were on. Message. They wanted black liberation. They both Period. wanted it. It's there just that go. they felt that the path to get there was different. Right, right. And and that's something that I feel like you know. In addition to us not having things to fight for, seemingly, you know, that's how we kind of like that. That's how sometimes we mosey about like everything is equal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, when we do decide to do things, it's not always on the same accord. You know, and 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 that's what I that's what and I and it doesn't have to be. You don't need everybody to do the same thing. You don't need everybody to do the same thing, but I do agree. I do feel like anytime you're doing something for an agenda, you know, the, you've got people that protest, and you've got people that you know are the pacifist or whatever the case may be, or you know, it, people handle things differently. But I feel like ultimately. You gotta be on the same message. You gotta have. The, you gotta want the same end goal. Your end you know, game should be the your same. Your end game should be the same at the end of the day. You know, but how, the method of going about getting to that. You know, sometimes you need that. You need that reference. Like, hey, listen. You know, if I'm Martin, I'm saying, listen. You can deal with me, or if you want to deal with. You but know, you need to stay nonviolent. You have to yeah, understand that you're gonna have to take a beating. Yeah, like like I'm not the hard one to deal with. I'm nonviolent. That's my approach. But you know, understand that there's there's a uh, you know there's there's another faction There's another out here that, that you're not going to kick around. Right. You know, so you sometimes I feel like you kind of need that extremity in a lot of cases to balance things out, to make, you know, some people respond to violence, some people respond to conversation, you know. And, and I think that the threat of violence can make you respond to conversation too. So. Yeah, there you go. Not that the nation was threatening violence. Not at all, but that's the perception. <laughs> right. That was the perception. So, you know. Um, oh, yeah, it was uh, Sidney Lumet. He was supposed to direct it. The guy who directed oh, The Oh, Sidney Lumet. Yeah, he also did Dog Day Afternoon. I actually yeah, like, And The Network. Yeah, yeah which, which people should watch. You know what's funny? I, I don't think that would have been bad. I mean, obviously, outside of the fact that I would prefer... You know, a black filmmaker, especially black Spike people Stature, telling our own tell story. Story, but Sidney Lumet, honestly, is not a. It wouldn't have been a bad choice. I think, you know, because we I would think have gotten he, a very different film, though. Yeah, but but I, I I think the core of him understands the undercurrent of like, of, uh, of extremities. You know what I'm saying, or or like misappropriation, or you know, I think he would have gotten to the core of some of those same things. Uh, that Spike may ha- maybe maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I think Spike would add it way more. I guess. I guess like with uh, Selma, like I guess um, she rewrote like ninety percent of that script. Really? Yeah. Like, You're talking about Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay. Yeah. She she added like so much to that film. Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't even use Martin Luther King's speeches because you know Spielberg owns him or whatnot. Oh wow! So uh, she had to like really write speeches from scratch for like Martin Luther for uh, David Oye Oye Oyelowo to uh, use in the movie. So uh, I mean, I think stuff like that—that's like what Spike Lee will bring to it. It's like they would see this character as so important and such an important story that they would have to like go all in on their approach to it. Which I don't think—I don't know if Sidney Lumet would have done that. Right, I can agree. It's hard to say, but I'm with you on that. So that's that's Malcolm X in a nutshell. Then you got Crooklyn. Oh, I love Crooklyn. Which is have you seen Crooklyn, like a, Corey? 
I have not seen Crooklyn. <laughs> you yeah. haven't lived. Crooklyn, Crooklyn's great, man. Crooklyn. Actually, you know, I think I, I think I, I started it, and uh, didn't that, resonate with uh, you. No, I think I, I it, was, it was during a period of life when I was living somewhere not in Virginia, and I watched a lot of movies, and I think oh. I, I think I fell asleep one night. Oh, well, that would have been the place to watch it in New York, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could sort of get the, the feel of it. I, I feel like Crooklyn obviously was a more personal story. Yes, yeah, a story of his own family, but mm-hmm. told through the eyes of his sister. Right, right. Yeah, wow. It's, it's, it's yeah, definitely my that. favorite uh, because, like, my mom, she's from Fort Greene, so half of my family is, like, from Brooklyn and Harlem and Queens and stuff like that. Mm. My my uh, uncle, he actually kind of, like, grew up with Spike Lee's brother. So that that experience, like, watching Brooklyn is kind of like watching, like, how my mom was, like, when she was a little girl, whatever, in the 70s and stuff like that. Mm. So it's, like, very personal. And it, it's also because they, they go to, like, Virginia, right? Like, Hampton Roads or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they come yeah. to, like, here. Is so it, it's like, is it here? Did they ever? I thought yeah, it was they North come across, No, they come they across. across the Chesapeake They're Bay in Bridge. Virginia. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was Virginia. Didn't you know what? I didn't see this movie. They come across the Chesapeake Bay <laughs> Bridge, and they go down south, and they come to Virginia, yeah. See, I always thought it was uh, North Carolina. Uh-uh. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, like, I, I want to say they were supposed to be here, but um, people suck at Virginia accents. That's all I'm going to say. And that was another instance of people sucking at Virginia accents and just not getting it right. Right. He did something very interesting that I never understood as a kid, but I totally get it now. Like, when, when the whole narrative switched from New York to down south, he changed the aspect ratio of the film. I noticed that. And it yeah. was like, whoa, what's going on with my eyes here? Yeah. So, Corey, Jesse, I'm neither sorry. one of you guys have seen it. Okay. So, okay, the movie 16 by 9, right? Mm-hmm. The entire time they're in New York. Everything's proper format. Then what happens is when he gets down to Virginia or down south, again, I thought it was North Carolina, um, he basically puts four by three in, or 16 by nine. No, four by three in 16 by nine. So it's like stretched, uh-huh. like vertically stretched images. And they walk into the, the cousin's house and like the brother Nate, his head like dumb long walking through the door. And I was like, what the hell am oh, I so looking it's at? Skewed. Yeah, yeah, it's like stretched and skewed. But I think that was to, I think that, you know, the, the interpretation that like down south is slow. Oh, compared to basic. New York, like it was it's a just, whole nother world. It's like, a whole nother world. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And 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 he kind of like again. This is to me. You know, it's messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's subtle messaging, but it's messaging nonetheless. That this is how people from this is how it feels to go when you're from New York, a busy, fast sort of, you know, expedited city to the country. Like, it's completely foreign. It feels different. It looks different. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it translates in the film different, you know? and It doesn't sound subtle in any way to go from 16 by 9. Oh, no, it's not subtle. You see it. But it's it's a creative choice that takes a lot of balls. Mm -hmm. Would you say it was effective in the film? I do, because because you feel like, oh, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, whoa. Why is is this happening? It's distracting, but it's Mm -hmm. distracting. Distracting. See, I think that's like an, just an over-technical thing. Like, people mm-hmm. that are not into the technical mm-hmm. aspect, they're just like, what the fuck? Like, why <laughs> are you doing this? But, like, for people, like, that that maybe understand it, you know, just technically what happened, it's like, oh, you just know that that's a device. You you know that that's saying something in itself, mm-hmm. you know? And it just gives you a, be- it just gives you a better experience to the film because you're like, to, for me, an artist that takes that much care to sort of like 
make that message and make that decision, even though it may not be a decision that you care about, it's a decision. Like that's a, that's a, that was a meeting that happened and he had to like executive, you know, executive, like, I don't give a fuck what you think. This is what's going to happen. And the DP was probably like, no, you can't, I don't want to, this is going to, this is going to fuck up my whole, because this is wrong. And he's like, I don't care. You know, I don't care. This I'm curious, is... though, like on the trivia, whose decision that was. If you, I feel like that's the question that Corey should have asked. He squandered the opportunity. I'm just joking. But... Right. I, I, I feel like that was. I feel like that was a hundred percent spike decision. I feel like. You feel like it was. I feel like that was a hundred percent spike decision. I mean, maybe it was collaborative with the D. Maybe the DP didn't give him a hard. Could time have been about the editor it. too. No, no. I haven't seen so, it. We're talking about film. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we're talking yeah. about film. Like I don't think that that's a. That's too big of a decision for an editor to make. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like that's something that has to be done in the photographic process. Um, um, yeah. So I, I just think that he just made that decision that like I'm doing this because this serves the story. This is a, this is does service to the story, and you know it may work and it may not, but I'm comfortable with making that decision. And I feel like you know just going back to bamboozle the same thing. Like it's a budget constraint. You know, or whatever the reason is, I feel like this does service to the story, and it's a decision. It's a it's a risk that I'm willing to take. I can't name you. I couldn't name you two directors that take risks like that, that make those kind of commitments. You know what I'm saying? Because win, lose, or draw. If you would have shot the entire fucking film of Bamboozled and was like, "Yo, I just fucked up." There's no going back. Uh-huh. You know? I, I will say that I I do appreciate that of Spike's work. Mm. It does come across to me that like you make the movies you want to make and mm. you make the decisions you want to make. Right. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And I feel like he's done that to a point now where like nobody's fucking with him. But <laughs> that's yeah, 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 it's all another. Yeah. Because yeah. we start talking about that fucking bullshit Red Hook Summer, like you know, we're gonna get there. Yeah, we're gonna get there eventually. <laughs> but I, I can't deal with that one. Um, all right, so Crooklyn, did you say your yeah, you said your piece about that and you two haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good, man. I think it's a very it's you know, if I had to pick one movie out of his like if you said I'm only going to give you one Spike Lee film to watch. I I would say go watch Crooklyn. Mm-hmm. I would say go watch I Crooklyn. I think man. I like more than anything. I like that he is presenting a dysfunctional family, but a reasonably dysfunctional reasonably, complete yep. black family. Right. Um and I think it's interesting to show the dynamic of the mother being the breadwinner in the family and her allowing her husband to be an artist, but that's still presenting the issues that it presents. And right. I just think it's dope. I, li- I like to see nuanced black culture. I like seeing, you know, her sitting there combing her brother's hair and greasing his scalp. Right. I always say this, like, getting your scalp greased is black love. Right. Like, if there's ever an image of anything, like, you say, what's black love? I'm like, it's sitting between your mama's Leg. knees. She got the comb in her mouth. Yeah, right. with the grease on the back of her hand, just telling you about life. Like, that's black love. Right. Fuck love, Jones. It's getting your scalp greased. So, like, but that, but no, but that level of nuance of, of black culture and blackness and the way that we talk to our kids and the way that our kids interact with each other and how they have to be aware of their surroundings but still have the playful childlike quality that children should be allowed to experience. Maybe not enough black children get that now, but I really, really enjoy the nuance of our culture presented there and it's something to be preserved. So I agree with you. Even over Malcolm X, I'd be like... From from the from the perspective of like if we had to show people two hundred years in the future what black culture is, I'd right. show them Crooklyn. You, it'd be Crooklyn, absolutely. And 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 
it, so to go to the dolly shot there, I mean, it has it has a couple, I think, the typical dolly shots, but it does the one shot with the crane, with Troy, where she's, she sniffs the glue. <laughs> I think that was the most, to me, that's the best use of his dolly shot. Was Troy? I like the music that's playing. That's a really good. Yeah. So just to just to tie it up for you guys, or, snuffy uh, and right hand uh, man, Corey, like the dolly shot that you really don't like. He uses it in a in a different way in Crooklyn, where it's like um, he plays. Spike Lee actually plays like I guess a drug addict, somebody who's addicted he's, to huffing yeah, he's glue. Yeah, he huffs glue. His name is Snuffy. Yeah, and he hangs out with a dude that has one hand named Right Hand Man. Right, and they're always terrorizing the children to try to take their money so they could buy glue. Exactly, and 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 what doesn't he like? They get Troy high off like off yeah, but like she's dreaming. Yeah, right. And, and she's what like, get away from is, you, you glue sniffer. She they're like chasing her in her dream. Yeah, and then and then she gets high, and then. The shot elevates into like a high crane shot, and she yeah. starts floating. Yeah, you know, and we're following her from the crane to—I mean, from the dolly to a crane shot—and I just thought it was a very interesting. It's a very nice looking piece of photography. Is that when know, her dad comes and gets her right after that? Because that's also the scene where he says, "Wake up, Miss Squimish Mimish," yeah, and he's wiping so. her face. So that's yeah. where you get the wake up in that movie yep. too. Yep. So yep, Crooklyn is really really dope. Then we got, um, well, you know, one of her, probably one of his. Uh, least popular films uh get on the bus get on the bus i like, didn't even know that was a spike lee film oh yeah how did you not I know never that heard of it before. all the, he had oh, wow. all the no. fucking actors he loves to use get on the bus was saying way too much in this span of time that it, you know what that's not fair i'm not a black man that movie wasn't for me but I didn't like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how it spoke to you, Treasy, but like I'm not a black man. I don't feel left out of the conversation as a black woman because I know that the movie's not for me. Right. But in terms of, I feel like that was one of those times where he was beating you over the head and it was just like, this is too much. You have a lot to say. Right. You're going to say all of it in this movie. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's just a moment in time. You know, it's a moment in time and it, and it serves as a platform to do exactly what you're saying, um, you know, which is to just gather the the male perspective about things and put it in, in, in a way to where you can beat on it. But you understand, you know, the, where they're heading to on this bus, you know, so it's not a big deal. What I did appreciate about it. Again, it's not for me, mm -hmm. but I did appreciate, you know, the thing that we keep saying about black people not being a monolith, that black men are not a monolith At and that all. the experience of a black man is very varied. It's very varied. Yeah. And nuanced in that we they don't all think the same way. They don't have the same ideas about raising children, about how we relate racially, about um, relationships and homosexuality. Right. I, there's a gay couple in the movie and some people in the movie are extremely homophobic and but most of them aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the thing that I think it's put on black people being like hyper... Um, well, hyper-masculine. Hyper-masculine and yeah. homophobia just being like this pervasive thing in black culture and to show that like... N no, not necessarily. Right. So I do appreciate the reinforcement of the diversity of thought mm -hmm. of the black man that is displayed there. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, I think it is important. I think it's an important period piece. I think if you sit down and you just kind of take in where, 
where America was at at the time and what was going, it was built around the Million Man March. You know, the the bus ride of, you know, these guys from all walks of life packing into this bus going to the Million Man March. From so, LA, so they from literally L- yeah. went, it's a road trip country. movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, so, you know, it, it, it had that context. And I feel like if you watch it from that perspective, it's very enjoyable. It's, uh, it's loaded full of perspective. I mean, perspective out the wazoo uh, in that film. And yeah, and I think that's the biggest misconception is that all black, you know, all black men think the same. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's a misconception within our own culture and without, our, you know, outside of our own American culture. I, I'm that black men are one culture. thing. Yeah. Well, African American men, thing. yeah. Yeah, or one thing. So, you know, that, that movie really does a good job of like just putting the stake in the, in the ground. Like, no, we, there's a little bit of everything on this bus specifically. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it just... Do you wish that, okay, we're not in our wokiest of state, but like some Spike Lee movies <laughs> I feel like I, I watch for the first time today versus, like it makes me want to revisit every Spike Lee film. You should. This conversation has made me want to revisit every film. I think it's necessary too because I think Spike Lee, Spike Lee, I think he's so good at harnessing energy and like putting it on film that sometimes it's like reading the Bible, I hear, you know, because I've never read the Bible through, but like some of the messages you just don't get until you're ready. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like Spike Lee is, he's so ahead of the curve, um, you know, that this happens a lot where things happen and you just don't totally get what you saw. It's, it's like a circus. You know, the way he played, you know, the way his actors played in a camera, the, the colors, you know, the shots, things are so, it's so much that you're imputing at once. You really don't know how to like compartmentalize and understand what he's doing. One, one could argue though, is that maybe he's sometimes so far ahead that even he hasn't gotten down to how he really wants you to perceive the film. So you feel like he doesn't know specifically what the message is, but he wants to put the information out. He knows there's a message, out. but I, I, he wants to get it out. And he knows there's something there, but that maybe he, he, even he's not solidified it yet for himself. You know, like that's what I feel like that some of these movies were a little ahead of their time. But I think that movie has stood the test of time. You know what? It's not one of my favorites, but I think that it's very applicable it's to right now. Right. But I've, right. I've been noticing that about a lot of the films we've talked about, is that it's applicable to now. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, what was it like when it came out? Did, and you've mentioned movies have gone over people's heads. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Do you think that he, now is a time it could be digested? Maybe. Well, I think now is the time to revisit it. Yeah, mm. like, like I, I feel like the beginning of the, of the the Obama administration was a great time to revisit it, and I do feel like now is a great time to revisit it. You know, this just, particular movie, this particular movie, mm-hmm. yeah, because because uh, you know, when, to equivalent it to now, it was that right? Equivalent equate? Okay, to equate it to now. Um, you said a word a minute ago. You said imputing. I think you meant to say compute, but I let you live. I yeah. just want you to know that petty is not as strong in me right now as oh it was God. an hour ago. God bless you, young lady. <laughs> yeah, God bless you. Um, but it 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 just you know when you think about the population of people that voted for whoever they voted for this go around, you know, I think it's easy to say, oh, no woman would have voted for Trump. You know, no, you know, no, that ain't true. 
Like there's we know that. <laughs> yeah, we know women voted for Trump. We know black men voted for Trump. We know black. No, 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 no. A very small portion of well, of black like, voters voted for Trump. Twelve percent black men. I think it's like two percent black women. Yeah, his, I mean, statement, but it, was, but it his statement was that yeah. a black man has yeah. voted for Trump. Like, has voted, yes. Yeah. A, a one. No, I'm just a, joking. A, <laughs> a black man and a black yeah, woman but, voted for Trump. But I think it's easy to dispel. It's easy to say because that's how we feel, and because that's how everybody around us feels about certain things it's easy to sort of blanket things but it, it you Wendell know, th- Pierce's character in that movie would have been a Trump voter right right so it's like so I no I do think now is the time to go back and revisit films like that hmm. because it takes a very small it just takes a microcosm of whatever was happening at that time and it just builds on that just using the million man march as a backdrop but it really could have been the Trump inauguration. It really could have been, well, probably not, but it could have been the Obama. That's why I say Obama the, the, inauguration, the first Obama yeah. inauguration would have been another super appropriate time to watch Get on the Bus. You know. Um, Do you think that, is it that this group at this table has matured enough to connect the dots better? That's or, possible well, too. I think we're, or, but I think we're a sample of the rest of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Or was it, you know, when Get on the Bus came out, which I haven't seen Get on the Bus, but when Get on the Bus came out, were there were there another group of people similar to this group talking about it in the same way we are? Was there another group of people talking about it then? Oh, you know, I'm, and I'm when confident that were that we weren't quite into the information age uh-huh. in the same way that right. we are now. So having access to those conversations mm-hmm. wasn't readily available to us. But, but I'm they, pretty they, sure they, that they, they did happen. Yeah, I mean, Bamboozle sure came out 16 years ago. So right. I mean, but is it because we are have matured or whatever you want to say? we've aged to the point where we now get it better or is it that you know did the message need time to you know what i think that having these conversations is important because Mm -hmm. i can sit here and tell you this is not one of my favorite spike movies but Mm -hmm. as you've said in the past as we're talking about it i understand that it is very important Mm -hmm. um and yeah like my my understanding of the world shapes the way that I view films or, or interpret films or resi- um, receive them and digest them in a way that it didn't when that movie came out. Um, I'm not a super fan of Farrakhan. I'm, <laughs> Woke Shalise is not a Farrakhan fan. Right. Oh, Everybody take a moment to it's breathe. Um, <laughs> so, so um, and I, I haven't been ever. <laughs> and, you know, um, because that he because he organized it, it kind of like shaped the way that I felt about what was going on there. Mind right. you, I was a teenager, maybe. Yeah. What year was that? I was young. Yeah, that's, um, that had to be like ninety six. Yeah, I was like fifteen and having opinions because that's no, who not I am. Ninety six, because Million Man March was ninety eight, wasn't it? Maybe. So it's, so this movie was like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. Ninety six. Oh, ninety six right. is when the movie came out. It, IMDb says. So 96. it would have been before. Yeah. So not, I was like 14, 15. So that being said, like, because it was about the Million Man March or about someone traveling to the Million Man March, like, I don't know. My dad was just like, whatever, Farrakhan's a crook. And I was like, yeah, dad. So I didn't care. And you just put your dad on blast like that. He'll be all right. Um, <laughs> You'd be like, I didn't want nobody to know that. My dad's pretty woke, too. <laughs> I come from the wokiest of stocks. Right. Um, I feel you on that. But... I now now that I'm sitting here talking to you about it, I see how valuable it is, and I'm glad that he made the film. Right. I don't think we could have done without it. I think that's the position that I I, I know I I take, and that's why he's my favorite. Is because we don't. He takes the risk to do it, and we don't always understand it. 
you know, but there's going to come a time where it's relevant. You know, it's it's his his he he builds he builds the majority of his films on the fact on a conversation, you know, on on like a soapbox conversation dial or monologue, you know, and regardless of whether we connect with the positioning of that monologue, it doesn't matter. There's so it's many monologues real, in that movie. Too. There's so many monologues, but it's a real it's a it's built on something real. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it's built on something real, so that'll never fade. Mm -hmm. There, there's always going to be race conflict mm -hmm. in America. There's just that's that's the history of America. You know what I'm saying? So that's never going to go anywhere. There's always going to be a social construct when it comes to uh, male and female. That's never going to go anywhere. Like it's just there's all it's built on so many things that are never going to go anywhere. So his movies are going to uh, the majority of his films are going to have a timeless, uh, a, you know, a timeless. You know, posture. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, I, I I do encourage you guys to go back and watch Get on the Bus if if you've never been interested. Um, moving along because we're kind of moving slow here. <laughs> we're gonna have fun editing this. <laughs> uh, Miracle at Saint Anna. This is the movie with the scene in it that I want to smack him over. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. You said you feel like Inside Man was his best execution. I feel like this was his best execution of a film. Say more. Huh? Um, well, one, I feel like he opened he made himself susceptible to a world that he had never delved into, which is World War II. So you had war scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, his, the scale we of We needed this a film, black war movie. Yeah, we, we needed, needed a, a Buffalo world. Soldier movie. We needed that. We needed that. And and I feel like he, you know, I feel like this was probably technically his most challenging film. You know, he shot uh, shot a portion of it in Italy for Christ's sakes. You it's know what beautifully I'm saying? shot. Yeah, like so. So, but I feel like he stepped outside of his comfort zone and he delivered. You know, um, the, I, we didn't get a dolly shot in that film. I don't, not to my recollection, we didn't get a, do, a dolly shot in that film. I don't, I don't recall one either. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you where they say wake up in the movie, but I gotta watch it again. Right. No. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't think we ever have like a lot of. Yeah, I think. The typical... I think you do get it. Oh, you know what? I think you get it from the guy who is impaired when the little Italian boy. I think he tells him to wake up, but because um, he's shaking him, because he's yeah. Oh, I gotta watch it again. But yeah, I don't. I don't remember specifically the line, but I have to watch it again. Right. If someone I, yeah. else knows where they say wake up in that movie, please leave us a comment. But right. I don't. I don't because even even his message in that wasn't. He was just telling a story. Yeah, he was just giving a perspective. I mean, at that time, you know, we'd already had Saving Private Ryan. You know, we'd had... But uh, black people are very much a part of world, world and American history. Yeah. And I think that those are the types of stories that we need to see. Right. Um, because, you know, we get... It is Black History Month and shout out to Carter G. Woodson. But right. I... I think that we need this month as long as we're not being incorporated into, you know, the stories of how we got to where we are and, right. and so our stories of triumphs as American and how people of color have contributed to that. Right. And so it's a, it's a great movie. Um, Michael Ely creeped me out in this movie. I, I, I love this role in it. Uh, but I, I, I feel you. I mean, he was he so damn he, creepy. He plays when he typically plays like this smooth, light skinned dude, <laughs> you know, that ends up getting a woman or whatever. The case he was light skinned as fuck in this movie, yeah, but very, <laughs> like very. stereotypically, like yeah, <laughs> beige dude uh, behavior. Right, right. <laughs> beige behavior. To say the least. Um, So, in terms of the message in the movie and how we contribute, I like the scene. Um, 
where they are maneuvering through what are they in like a swamp or a river or whatever and then they have the propaganda playing to them and the german woman talking to them about like um coming to get white biscuits and right right (laughs) she has a name i can't remember my phone's dead i can't google it but um like the very beginning of the movie sends like a really strong message very strong message um I like how it starts off as a mystery and you're like, oh, where are we going? Mm-hmm. Like, he just takes you somewhere. You're not sure what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I have a real appreciation for that. Yeah. Um, and you, it maintains its mystery throughout the entire movie, even Very when much. you get to the end and you're like, oh, this is really cool. I'm super mad at him for the scene where he shows the Buffalo soldiers back in America not being able to be served in an ice cream parlor. Right. The movie didn't need that. I think it did. I think it didn't. It didn't add anything. Well, this is the thing. I understand the point he was trying to make, that these people are sacrificing their life for a country that doesn't value them equally. So I I completely understand that. I just feel like it was like too overt. And it took away from the story itself progressing. It didn't progress the story. So it didn't need to be there from that aspect. How we were saying like that this is not a okay. statement movie like he normally makes. He's just telling a story. That particular scene doesn't progress the story. It's just him like, I want to tell your ass something and I'm going to put it right here. Yeah, well, it reaffirms. It reaffirms mm-hmm. kind of like the, 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 the position that they were in, which is like that, the, 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 you know, I think Derek Luke's character, I forget his name. I don't remember um, anybody's name in that movie, but I know all the actors. Yeah, you know, he was very, you know, the whole military structure, obviously, you got to listen, you got to be subordinate to your superior. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's all based off of. And his direct superior was Walton Goggins, fucking Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Corey. <laughs> okay. And um, check our IMDb. Yeah. Not real, IMDb, no, our, our IG. Our <laughs> IG and our Facebook, because Corey does look like Walton Goggins. Corey like looks that. like a lot of white people. I like, I, look, it's race baiting. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Y'all we'll all look same. alike. <laughs> But, you know, Walton Goggins' character was giving him an order that he didn't really agree with. But, you know, and it was clear to Michael Ely's character that, like, yo, this is bullshit. You don't, you can't fucking trust white people, right? You know, like, you can't trust white people, bro. Like, you know what time They don't give a fuck about it. And he had to remind them. He had to remind him, you know, he flipped the coin to him and he's like, yeah, do I got to remind you about this incident? And I feel like, yeah, I, I, although I feel like we could have done without it, I feel like it would have been a mystery had we not seen it, you know, like, because it didn't lend itself to, he didn't flip the coin to him and was like, you know, you remember this incident where we didn't get served? It they was were like, treated better amongst their em- enemies yeah, than they were amongst think, their, their people from their own country. Right. I, think that's I one totally of those things, got it, but it was yeah. just kind of like, you're beating me in the head. But I think it's one of those things that if you don't see it, you may not connect with it. What did you think, Martin? I haven't seen this movie in you a You haven't long seen time. it? No, I've seen it. Oh, I just okay. don't, I barely remember it, really. Right. I'm in the same boat. I saw it once. I, I don't remember much about it. I just haven't seen it. Okay, well, could well be that's typical thing. of your evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think again, I think that's a scene. That's one of those scenes where we need it. I think sometimes people. One, I needed it. I needed it because I wasn't around to see this world where people fought for their country. Were you ignorant about that though? No, I'm not ignorant about it. And and, and but that, do you think most people are ignorant about that? I think for most, I think for I think people learn differently. Okay. Some people are visual learners. Some people are kinesthetic. Some people are, you know, audio. And I feel like that was to serve 
every every you know position in learning. Maybe I'm being unfair because I don't think that most black people are ignorant of that. Um, right. But it's, the movie, but the movie's not necessarily just for us to receive that. Yeah. So that's and, fair. And here's the thing: you gotta, you we gotta stop thinking about the now. We just came off saying that like Spike Lee speaks. To, you know, his movies become even more relevant as things happen. They, yeah, they resonate into eternity. And- so think about millennials. Like we're, we're millennials. <laughs> no, we're not. We're actually not. Like like we're we're no, that no, no. weird we're like cusp. cusp. <laughs> yeah, but we're not. We're officially Maybe generation. You X's. are. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I I'm not. yeah. You guys might. Be. Sh- me and Shalise are not okay. millennials, unfortunately. Oh, me and Leezy. We are. It's fine. Me and Young Leezy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not Gen Xers either. They call us the Oregon Trail generation. We're we have some qualities of both millennials and Gen right. Y. But I oh, guess I like you can say we died from smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon Trails. You <laughs> we couldn't cock. <laughs> we couldn't cock the wagon. Yeah, you have yeah. died of dysentery. Yeah, um, yeah. But, maybe but, you're part of the Oregon Trail generation too, because you remember Oregon Trail. Because but if you ask Soldier Boy, he'd be like, "What?" So mm-hmm. who but, knows. <laughs> but, but think about this movie twenty years from now. When you have a generation that is twenty years further removed and maybe, from slavery, and and, from, and maybe really bought into the idea of a post-racial society in the way that we're so, we're you know quote unquote in the world of bullshit supposed to be bought into that idea. Absolutely, um, you need to be able to see that. And at that point too, World War Two will have been almost a hundred, uh, almost a hundred years old. Like that's like I we didn't live to experience that. No, our parent, my my mother didn't live to experience. My grandfather that. did. Our grandparents did. Mm-hmm. No, like my, my mine didn't. It, my grandfather was born in 1943. My grandfather was okay. born in 1919. But well, you know, yeah. But I'm just, just. I get what uh, you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. So, so, so young ass. It's it's right. <laughs> yeah, you so, know it. <laughs> so I, I think if you take that scene out of context for today and look at it for what's necessary 40, 50 years from now, I think it's it was it was a great decision. You're to selling show me. It. You're selling me. Yeah. I'm having a Corey moment. You're selling me here. Yeah, it was a great decision to show it in my in, in, in my regard. So you're saying that it may not be relevant. For me, and that's why I feel that way. But is is a lesson that may not necessarily be as apparent to someone who doesn't have my experience Absolutely. within the, the constraints of the time that I'm living. Absolutely, because right. yeah, it reinforced. You know, the the lady on the on the overhead thing when they were walking through the I think it's the Tuscan River that you that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. She she makes mention of it. You know, she's like, you guys are, you know, look next to you. Do you see any white soldiers with you? That's because they're sending the, you out here to die. Yeah, they're sending you out here to die. You, you're not even respected in your own country. So that scene just reaffirms what she's saying because you may not have got it then. Mm-hmm. You were still immersed in the mystery of the film. You know what I'm saying? But now, now that you know where we're going with this, let's throw this in to remind you. So do you think that um, the story could have done without. The portion of it that is a mystery, in terms of like uh, at the beginning where Laz Alonzo. Laz Laz, thank you. I don't know names today. Laz yeah. Alonzo is shooting the man when he goes, you know, at the, the, he's office. at the post office working, and there's this mystery. Do you think that the the story could have done without that? It could have, but I, I really liked it. I, think, I liked it too. I'm just curious if it could have done without it. Yeah, no, I think it could have done without it. I, I think it definitely could have done without it. It's I, a movie I, on its own without the I beginning think, and, it, and the end. I think the movie could have literally. Okay, so it starts with Laz Alonzo watching an old, you know, World War Two program Mm -hmm. like a movie or whatever black and white movie and he was like basically we were there too i think it literally could have cut from him watching that into the war (laughs) into Mm -hmm. the the, and it still would have been the it would have been an effective film um you know it wouldn't like it would have probably been harder to end the film Mm -hmm. because you didn't return to that yeah he returned you know you know obviously we could have we could have just we could have 
because I don't, I don't want that one. I don't want to spoil. Right. But we could have for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, the ending to me wasn't like a. I wasn't oh my mad. At, I wasn't mad at the ending. But yeah, but it was cool though. You know, I, I think you know what it was, man. It, it was Spike stepping outside of. All right, man. I'm not gonna make. I can, you know, I can make movies for entertainment value too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what Inside Man was to me. Mm-hmm. It was an entertaining film. Like, take black out of it, take white out of it. It still was a real black, it's, but <laughs> in, it, but in a, but not not, not like in real. a beat you over the head type yeah, way. I, to me, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. All, you know, you especially when you when you're looking at what they broke into the bank for. That don't got nothing to do with mm, black people. I know that. Uh, but we'll come back it, to it. It's, 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 now, if you're saying it's very white supremacist. You know, we'll the, come back okay, to it. Okay, we'll come back to it. Cool. But <laughs> yeah, so that that to me is his way of saying, like, I can make an entertaining film as well. He made, you know? but he made those back to back. He did, and and it shows to me. Well, he repeated was, some of the characters. That was that <laughs> so. was a very big stride for him. That was a very great stride for. I'm trying to figure out how dude went from being the bank manager to being a lawyer real quick with the same name, but <laughs> right, <laughs> right, his name right. like Peter Tolan or something, yeah, some some wild shit like that. Um, but yeah, Miracle of Santa Ana to me, Saint Anna, Saint Anna. I don't know what, how to pronounce it. Saint Anna. Saint Anna. It's, it's a really solid film to me. It's his best stride in quote unquote air quotes here commercial filmmaking. Um, so Black Experience commentary. Actually, looking at Black Experience commentary, I, I almost feel like we could we could push do the right we could have pushed do the right thing to a statement piece maybe as opposed yeah, to Black that's Experience what I it was commentary. Gonna, I I was gonna. Say that. Yeah. I would say it's a statement on the black experience. <laughs> there you go. I'm not wrong. I see what you did there. That's that I'm not wrong shit right there. I don't um, disagree with you. Yeah. Um. So you know those those are, you know that's Spike Lee and his statement pieces and also in his black experience commentary. We didn't talk about Clockers. That's cool. I really like Clockers. That's a statement piece as well. Um, but We're going to talk about it when we talk about 25th Hour because I feel like they're companion pieces and we'll get into why. That was part two to our three-part Spike Lee discussion. Part three is on the way soon. And hopefully this conversation is inspiring you to either get familiar with Spike Lee's films or go back and re-familiarize yourself with Spike Lee's films and his contribution to the history of film and black culture. So thank you for listening. And again, part three is up next. This has been an On Ear Network production.